Last week I shared about how I really enjoy competitive sports in most of them. I mostly enjoy watching them. Um, the one sport I used to love to play was basketball. Because in basketball, you don't have to be good for people to want to play with you. I'll explain this. Um, you don't have to be able to shoot the ball at all because nobody who can shoot the ball likes to play defense. Um, that's just true. Like if, you, if you're a good shot, you hate playing defense. And so what I would do is I would just run back and nobody else would run. I would play pickup games with people and everyone's just kind of waltzing back and I would run back and be on defense. And I get really excited and get really high energy. Like, yes, yes, yes. And then someone would pass me the ball and I would just pass it to another person. <laughs> and I would, just, I would just keep that going. But I loved doing it. And the most enjoyable part of it was whenever I got a chance to block someone's shot. And it didn't happen very often because I can't jump that high. Um, but sometimes the angle of someone run, is running such that they, my hand like kind of gets in the way, like unintentionally, and I'm just playing my hand. And it just feels so wonderful. It's like, yes! <laughs> it feels so good. So um, I'm gonna, we're going to try a video of, basically, this is what I looked like when I was playing defense. If you can double click on it. Okay, we're going to wait a few seconds, and then I'll just, there we go. Yeah, just like that. That was me. Okay, we'll watch a few more. Yeah, that was also me. That's, that's. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah, so that was basically, that was basically me. Playing basketball, I know, but um, we're starting a new series um, called Dealing with Rejection. And, and part of it is, um, so we'll, we'll go over a number of different things, but just the idea of rejection, one of the ways, the, the most concrete illustrations of rejection is, is you're, you feel like, I got an open shot, I'm going in, and someone comes from behind you and just swats it away. Um, and, like, and usually people will say, rejected! Um, but being rejected is not a fun thing, though. To do, um, it's not fun to be be on the receiving end of of a rejection. It is uh, most of our lives aren't filled with on the basketball court, and so most of the re rejections we face are not are not in sports, but in life. Um, it's hard. Many of us who've who've gotten jobs and had to you had to apply, and usually when you apply for a job, there are people telling you no. Uh, my niece recently applied to colleges, and she had to receive a lot of no's. She got a yes at the end and was really excited about it, but those no's add up. I still have like flashbacks of me as a senior in high school um, and thinking about applying for college and just like, ah, uh, the tension about it, the worry about it. And this rejection is usually filled with a private shame. It's not something that's fun to talk about. You know, it's like, you know what happened to me? I was rejected five times and I'm just gonna share that with you. Um, <laughs> But the amazing thing is God has a lot to say about rejection. <laughs> it's like all through the scriptures, there's a lot, there's a lot of rejection going on in the Bible. But I want to I hone down on three important aspects of rejection in, in, in the Christian faith. The first thing that's important to say is that we will be rejected in this life. It is good to be able to say that, that it's not a surprise when it's going to happen. The second is that re rejection does not define us. It does not define who you are. And the third is God will never reject you. God will never 
reject you. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different forms of, reje- of rejection, how scripture speaks to each, and how God's love goes deeper. You can feel rejected by a prospective partner, rejected by a friend. You can even feel rejected by God or even rejected by yourself. The feeling of rejection, though, is very different from actually being rejected. So I'm going to think about the basketball court again, and we're going to try and run that clip um, of... The guy's name is Zion Williamson. He played for Duke, if you don't know. He was my alma mater. And so um, he's now plays for New Orleans. But we just want to watch. If you could look at the, person, the face of the person being rejected. Because um, usually when you see these moments, um, and if it, were, it doesn't work, that's okay. But usually it's you know, the aggressor. And then he just kind of walks away. Oh. But you know what's amazing? For like each of those, and the full clip is a little longer. But... Um, you know what, what happens after they're rejected? They run back to the other end of the court. And they keep playing. When you're... Oh, good. We're watching the whole thing. This is great. <laughs> oh. oh, just from behind. That's got to hurt. But then, you know, he gets back up. He's playing. Right? Doesn't, doesn't stand there and feel sorry for himself. Just keeps on moving. Then the next one's the best. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Look at that. Okay, that's fine. He plays for the Pelicans now, so anytime you see New Orleans playing, you should. Um, so what? But, but the guy being blocked is like, ah, and then he keeps on going. And sometimes, at least for me, actually being rejected is a lot easier than the fear of rejection. And then once I'm actually rejected by something, once I like submit an article for publication and they say, no, maybe somewhere else, I'll be like, okay, I move on. Uh, but it's that, that worry, that weight, that gap between action and reaction. So we need to disentangle the feeling of rejection from being rejected. When you're directly rejected, there is a, a moment of, of shaking your head, thinking, gosh, that was lame. And, but I know for me, for many of you, it may be different. For me, there's something, okay, now I know what, what's going on and I can move on with my life, as opposed to that gap, that lack of knowledge. The feeling of rejection, though, is never ending. It is mind-numbing. It can, it can consume us in so many ways. As well, we may, we may imagine, gosh, wouldn't it be better if we were never rejected? Wouldn't that be a nice, nice world if everyone just said yes to us no matter what? And so there's this episode of 30 Rock where um, Liz Lim and Tina Fey has a neighbor move in to her apartment. Um, and he's, a, he's this really handsome doctor, a single handsome doctor in Manhattan. And, and she asks him out, they go on a date, and she's like, what is my luck? The only handsome single doctor in Manhattan. Um, and she, at first, she's enjoying the time together. And then she kind of realizes something, that he's been living in this handsome bubble his entire life. Um, he's really a horrible doctor. Um, and he's really a jerk. And no one's ever told him so, because he's just so darn handsome. And um, she ends up, he, he had never, he, she's the first person who ever broke up with him. Because no one had ever rejected him in any way. Because he's just so darn handsome. Um, 
But you see, at the end of it, he loses his hand because he thinks he can handle everything because no one's ever told him no in his life. And you realize that this is not a life worth living, a life without any no, without any rejection, without any conflict at all is not worth living. We learn, we are formed and shaped more by the no's in our life than by the yeses. The point of life is not to avoid rejection. And yet still we must remember that perfect love casts out fear. We should not be afraid. Because remember, remember my three points. There, we will be rejected in this life. It's going to happen. But, but, rejection does not define us. And God will never reject us. Today, we're going to, to focus on, on rejection and sharing good news, rejection in evangelism. There's all sorts of rejection, but as a, as a church, this is something that's particularly um, poignant for us, that that's so often one of the reasons why evangelism can be an icky term for a lot of Christians. It has been done poorly very often. And so you worry if you're going to talk about Jesus with someone, what are the conversations they had before uh, that may have shaped and framed? And so and maybe they might be rejected, reject you. There's shame, there's confusion, as well as process questions. What should I actually say? Evangelism, is, at its root, means good news. Ang, an, angel is messenger in, in Greek, angel. As, as messenger is news, and u is a prefix that means good. So it's good news. The good news is that you are loved. The good news is that you are loved so much that even though this world is broken, you are not. You are loved and forgiven and offered purpose and endless grace in this world to grow in love, to let go of those things in your life that keep you from love. But not just you. It, it would actually be really bad news if God just loved you. It'd be horrible news if God just loved the people in this room and nobody else. That would not be a God worth worshiping. It is not just you. In Luke 10, in the passage that Ray read, we see this kind of expansion of Jesus' ministry. He's going from after calling the twelve and doing a few uh, miracles and healings and preachings. He's sending out 70. He sends them out in pairs. They go out in pairs. Why pairs? Well, there's, there's a few reasons for it. There's a practical reason. The one thing, it's safer to walk around with two people. It's just... It's just generally, you just, you know, you don't go downtown by yourself a lot. It's, you gotta, you want to have a buddy. You want a buddy system. When you travel, when you go things, like, there's a, there's a real practical reality to that. I think there's another reason, too, is, is a metaphorical one, that being with another person reminds you that it's not all about you anyway. Which is really important. Because it's so easy to drift back into that, especially when we have conversations that may up, end up with rejection. That we think it's about us. Jesus begins, after saying, go out in pairs, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now this harvest, this harvest metaphor is often kind of used in evangelism as like, all the people, all the people ready for the gospel. Um, but I, wanna, I want us to think about it in a, in a more specific way, in a specific way of the people who Jesus actually ministered to. Um, and getting back to that brokenness. This is, this is an overwhelmingly broken world. Um, in so many ways. And there's moments of grace and joy and love, but there is hurting people. Uh, there are hurting people in our communities. There are hurting people around the world. That is the harvest 
The harvest is not people who are in the same social status as we may be, or as you may be, or as I may be. The harvest is the people in need of grace in their life. And the harvest is plentiful, my brothers and sisters. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few because few people want to actually deal with brokenness. It's not as cozy and comfortable. This is why the disciples and the 70 have to be sent. If it was something that we're going to do anyways, they would just be doing it. Um, Jesus has to ask them to go, has to send them, because it's not our instincts for self-preservation do not put us into situations of brokenness. And then we get to the, the, real, the real heart of this passage, at least for me, is that when, when Jesus says, whoever rejects you, rejects me. Whoever welcomes you, welcomes me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. That is a big statement. We need to wrap our heads around. When we are rejected for doing the work of God, whether that be evangelism, whether that be, be service, whether that be offering offering kindness and care, of doing all of these things for God. When we are rejected doing the work of God, we are not the ones really being rejected. God is being rejected. And you know who handles rejection really well? God. <laughs> if you open pretty much from the first page of the Bible to the last, is just stories of people rejecting God. Over and over again. Adam and Eve rejecting God. Cain and Abel rejecting God. Pretty much all, all throughout. Even Noah, after the flood, when he gets all drunk, he's, he's, getting, he's rejecting God. It goes on and on and on. Moses saying, me? No, not me. And yet God still follows and consents and, and continues to offer grace. The stories, the stories of the kings of Israel... When you get into that, it's just rejection after rejection after rejection. And even to the Gospels. That we have a few stories of the disciples saying yes to God, but a lot of the disciples are saying no to God over and over again too. And a lot of the communities do. God can handle it. God can handle it. Still, it is one thing to acknowledge then when we are being rejected for, by doing the things of God, it, we are not the ones being rejected. It is God. It is one thing to do that and acknowledge it intellectually. It is another to feel it. Because it certainly hurts. At least for me, it's hard for me to disentangle that and to feel that, that I am the one being rejected. So we, we must build up a habit of this. Build up a habit and a practice of sharing good news, of finding what we can share. To remember that we are not the ones. We are not the ones who are being rejected. And to make sure that we are not following patterns of harm and patterns of hurt. It is hard to think about who we could invite, who we could share and offer this good news. Who, who can, can we talk to about these important things that we are loved? taking the time to offer yourself to another in a way that you get nothing out of it. We're going to take a few moments of guided reflection, I hope. Um, and if you could all just kind of maintain a posture of prayer, and I will say a few prompts. And the part of this is, it's specific to each of you. Each of you have relationships. 
and people in your life who are hurting. So who is someone in your life who could use grace? And why do you think that is? This is so, so important, the why question, because the point of sharing good news is not, is not to be paternalistic, to be like, oh, this is what that person needs. It's, that, it's this offering of a free gift that God has given you a gift that you cannot hold to yourself. And third, how can you share life with them in order to hear their stories? Evangelism begins here, my friends. It begins in sharing life with people. Ask, listen, hear, share. Offer time and grace because that is what God offers to us. You may still be rejected, but again, God carries that burden for us. That we are offered and we are sent to share this good news. You are loved by the God who is love. And it is not just you alone. The harvest is plentiful, my brothers and sisters. What Jesus means, what I mean, is that there are a lot of hurting, tired, lonely, and scared people outside these walls. And I'm not just talking about people who are just ripe to come to church. I'm talking about neighbors and friends in need of the blood of Jesus Christ, in need of hope and purpose and grace and kindness in their life. The harvest is plentiful. But today, many people have been hurt by the church, and cold call inviting someone to worship may not be the best way to show Jesus. It may first mean inviting someone to dinner. Having a coffee, having an adult beverage, sharing a moment, opening up before they do. Vulnerability is the issue. When we are vulnerable, we can be rejected. And that's, that's, that's the scary thing. That's the scary thing about building a relationship with someone. That's, that's why we get to a point where we're like, I have all my friends I need. I'm good. I don't want to open myself up. Again, and my kids love making friends because they're just like, they're all out there. Or at least Dominic, my son is. Um, he is out there. He makes friends with everybody. And he'll still say like, Dad, why is that guy not talking to me? Um, which is so lovely. That heart, that vulnerable heart. I am not like that. I shut my heart. But God, God... God convicted me about this sermon and about this series. I'm preaching to myself as much as anybody 
this day, my friends. That it takes faith to open myself up, to talk about real things with people. It takes faith that if someone shuts me down, I am not the one being shut down. It takes faith to remember that we are going to be rejected in this life. As well, it takes faith to remember that rejection does not define us. You are not defined by the no's you have received in this life. You are defined by the yes that God has put on your life. That you are beloved. That you are worthy of love. That you matter. You can make a difference in this world. As well, we are never rejected by God. We are never rejected by God. That is the story of the Bible over and over again. is people turning their backs on God and God not turning God's back on them. Especially in sharing God's love through word and deed. You are loved. Do not fear, my brothers and sisters. You are loved and to offer that love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>